This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. For those of you who are our guests on Sundays, we've been going through a study unintentionally, but since Easter, we call miraculous God. We believe that Jesus Christ is not only Lord, we also believe that he actually rose from the dead. Scripture says to be a Christian, that is an essential belief. You don't only have to believe his teachings are good for you, you actually have to believe he's alive and he can do what he said he's going to do. And so we've been studying exactly what he did. In the last uh, few weeks, we were studying the blind man who was born blind and how Jesus literally rewired his brain so that he could see And now, today, we move into the seventh miracle in the book of John as we study the life and death of Lazarus for just a moment. John chapter 11, verse number 32. I'm reading from the message translation of Scripture today. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep Anger welled up within him. He said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. And then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what the tomb looks like. If you're dead, it can hold you. Amen? Jesus said, remove the stone. Anybody glad that Jesus cried, remove the stone over your life? Amen? The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, watch this, Master, by this time, there's a stench. Polite way to say he stinks. He's been dead four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen. Isn't that amazing to know that that you have that connection? Yeah, I know you're always listening. But on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. And he came out a cadaver. Notice that he came out a cadaver wrapped from head to toe. It might even be best described. He came out a mummy. And with a handkerchief over his face, Jesus told them, notice this, unwrap him and let him loose. And the Lord bless his word. What a blessing. What a blessing. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you that I am so fired up about this sermon, but it's particularly once I say in closing. The, the, a younger pastor, I would have just preached the closing of this sermon. But today I feel that God's trying to speak to us so much. Have you ever had those times in your life, or maybe have you ever had one recently, that you just wish you could take back what you just said? Are those times in your life that you wish you could get a do-over? Hey, I've played golf with some of you. I know that you take lots of do-overs. Amen. Amen. You know, but you just wish you could, you could get that through. You just wish you could take that one more time. Sometimes the moments that we want to do over, especially those moments that, that we wish we hadn't done something, or those moments that we wish we had. 
If we could just get that one more opportunity to share our true feelings, if we could get that one more opportunity to make that first impression, if we, if we could just honor that person's trust one more time. But the problem is this. Time only moves one direction. We can't go back. Time only moves forward. When it's done, it's done. Some things in life are just irreversible. How many of you know it's true? You can't unbake cookies. You can't uncut hair. You can't undelete documents. Or I was so fired up listening to somebody uh, share a, a, an illustrated sermon on the phone this week. I'll just say this one for me. You can't unrun red lights. Amen. It was not good. But in this passage of Scripture that I just read to you, I, I can't help but imagine that, that Martha and Mary, they're at a place in their life to where they were just wishing for one more opportunity. They were just wishing for another outcome. That, that what if things could have been different? What if Jesus had showed up a little earlier? What, what if Lazarus had never gotten sick? What, what if, what if? Because now that Lazarus is dead, their whole life will never be the same. Their lives as they knew them were over. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Learning to walk in your new normal. But how many of you understand, even when the enemy thinks he's won, it's not over until God's through. Amen? It's not over until God says it's over. Because all of a sudden, they think everything is done. They think everything is through. But all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene. Some people say that he's late. Some people say that, that Jesus should have showed up and showed off his power a little earlier. But when Jesus did show up, I want you to understand today, he revealed himself in a way that he had never revealed himself before. He had revealed himself as the one giving the ability to walk to those who couldn't walk, the ability to see to those who couldn't see, to, to break the, the bread. He, he had even revealed himself as the one who could change weather patterns at his very command. But when Jesus showed up on this day, he's about to reveal himself and his glory in a way that he had never shown people before. As he walks up to someone, not that's about to be laid to rest, but as he walks up to somebody that's been dead for four days and he walks up to that tomb and he says, hey, hey, whoa, 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 tomb, death, we're going to have a showdown right here. And death, this is a sudden death situation and you're outmatched because the resurrection and the life is on the scene. Amen. Now, to understand the powers at play here, I want you to understand a couple of things about the laws of our universe. One is the second law of thermodynamics. And the second law of thermodynamics, it states this. If left to its own devices, everything in the universe moves toward disorder and decay. How many of you will testify when you were left to your own way of walking your life, moved to disorder and decay? Amen. When we try to live it on our own, when we think we can do everything, how many of you remember when you were about 16, maybe 15, 16, 17, and you started saying, when I'm 18, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. This is, and, and, and how many of you understand, it usually takes you somewhere wishing you could have yesterday back again. Amen. Amen. But all of a sudden, that disorder and decay that is natural runs into something. Now, to understand that law there, I want you to understand that all things uh, deteriorate. Cars rust, food rots, and we grow old and die. This law is called entity. And entity is the law that we're talking about that says there must be an outside force introduced if you want to stop the disorder. There must be an outside source introduced if you want to stop the decay Entity can, uh, as it's introduced into our lives and it begins to take over our lives, needs to have something to counteract it. The force that counteracts entity is negativity. And when we 
begin to see these forces counteracting each other, uh, we actually see them in our lives in many, many ways every day. For example, uh, probably one of the best uh, examples of negativity is when you uh, plug a refrigerator into a power source. When you plug a refrigerator into the power source, it begins to turn, begins to cool that. And when you place food that is already decaying because it has been separated from its life source into that refrigerator, what that does, that cooling environment, the neg entropy, introduces a power that changes the atmosphere that begins to change the disorder and the decay and slows down the process, okay? But how many of you have ever maybe gone on vacation and come home and something has disrupted the power to your uh, neg entropy refrigerator? You open the door of your house and you'd look at your spouse and say, something's not right. Why? Because when the power source is removed, watch this now, when the power source is removed, entropy takes back over and decay then begins to move forward. So when you walk in, you know that the power to that negentropy refrigerator has been disrupted and things have begun to decay again. Now I'm taking you somewhere with this. Because when Jesus walked up to the grave, entropy was on the minds of Martha and Mary. Entropy was all they could think about because Jesus walks up and they're like, oh, he's crying and he's going to go, he's going to join in our sorrow. Let me tell you something. I didn't mean to say this, but I feel it in my spirit today. Some of us, we're not looking for a deliverer. We're looking for somebody to join in our sorrow. We're looking for someone to make us feel better about how bad our life is. But Jesus said, I didn't come to make you feel better. I came to make you better. I came to deliver you and set you free that you might have life and life more abundantly. Pastor Don, do you really believe in this God that you're preaching? Not only do I believe it, I am living proof of what he can do. I should not be standing here. Matter of fact, my failure screaming at me as I stand here, but there's something that screams louder and it's called grace. I am thankful for the, the negativity of grace that has changed my life. Amen. I feel this today. I told you I didn't feel like teaching today and I'm not even started preaching yet. Come on now. Amen. And I know that entropy was on the mind of Mary and Martha because when Jesus said, roll the stone away, what did they reply? Certainly, entropy has taken over by now and he stinks. They said, he's already decaying. Why? His life force had left his body. And because the source of life within him had left the body, the body was already decaying. But Jesus wanted them to catch something. Jesus said, you don't understand. That life force that has left him is not the life force that is superior in this situation. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, guys, I want you to catch this today. The law of entry just doesn't govern the physical universe but it governs your spiritual lives as well. It governs who you are on the inside. See, entropy entered the universe, entered the cosmos when in the garden, Adam and Eve did not believe the, the word of God that said, and that's what sin is, a direct transgression of the word of God. Somebody said, well, it's all about how you interpret it. I'm going to tell you, you'll know how, if you're interpreting right or not because it'll bear witness with what's inside of you because there's a spirit inside of you that's longing to get back in touch with a God who's in control. Can I get an Amen. Ooh, I feel that this morning. But Adam and Eve, they thought they would die. They thought if we eat of that, we'll die. And the enemy spent those moments of that time trying to distort the thing of God. And he, and he said, he said, Hey, I want you to know you're not going to die. 
They had this mental image that when they tasted of that fruit, that, that maybe somehow they were expecting poisoning and one bite meant they were out. They were done. One bite meant that they were, that, that it was all over. But they took a bite and they were still breathing. You see what they didn't understand is when they took that bite, it introduced a slow poison called sin into their lives. That will destroy you. It's sort of like some that are here with us this morning. And I, and I want you to know, I, I'm not just, it's, I'm not just pointing out anybody, but with that first time that we thought, you know, hey, I'll do that. And we thought, man, that didn't hurt so bad. That first drink that you thought that won't cause any problem, that wasn't so bad. That first hit on something you thought, man, that wasn't so bad. I mean, I'm not addicted. That's not a problem. That first time you, you pulled up that website, you know, you had no business being on that. That first time you made that phone call to somebody that wasn't your spouse. Did, did I not tell y'all I was in the mood to preach? That first time that you thought you could handle that sin, you said, whoa, whoa, I handled that. That wasn't so bad. And you found yourself going back. And before long, you had unleashed the power of sin's entity into your life. And all of a sudden, it began to eat your life. It began to cause decay like you could never imagine. Relationships began to decay. Disorder began to swirl all around you. Problems happened in your family. Struggles happened in your world. And you thought, man, how did I end up here? Why? Because you thought you could handle it. Entity began to take place. You see, when sin entered the world, the slow-acting poison that affects us all was introduced into our system. We're born into sin, Scripture says. When sin entered the world, I, I, I don't know how to really say this any better than this, uh, sin caused a disturbance in the force, if you'll allow me that this morning. You see, the more you sin, the more your life moves toward disorder and decay. But sin is much more than a dividing line between right and wrong. Sin is a matter of life and death. Sin wants to destroy you. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say very, very clearly. Jesus Christ didn't come to deal with sin just so he could make bad people good. He didn't want to make people that were doing wrong just look better. He didn't want to make people be more socially acceptable. He didn't want things to just calm down and, and be quiet and keep things still. Jesus Christ didn't show up just to make bad good. Jesus Christ came so that he could bring dead people to life. Jesus Christ came so that he could take people with no hope and give them hope and people that were bound and set them free. And here's the beauty of this story. Lazarus was just the first. Jesus is wanting to do something. But to understand this story, now you've got to bear with me for a moment, to understand the story of, of Lazarus as Jesus says, roll the stone away, you've got to understand, we've been talking about what's happening outside the tomb, what's happened inside the tomb. Lazarus is dead. Entropy has taken over. He is decaying. He certainly stinks by now. Somebody might argue said he stunk a little bit beforehand. Amen. But by now, he stinks. And so what have they done to him inside of that tomb? Well, you've got to understand in the Jewish culture, the way they buried someone. What they would do is they would take them immediately and begin to wrap them in grave clothes. And as they wrapped them in grave clothes, the scripture even tells us that his hands and feet were bound. What they would tie your hands to around you like this, to your side, tie, wrapping you together. They would tie your feet together and then they would wrap a, about a foot of material around your head. Okay? I want you to get that mental picture. They would wrap a foot of material around your head. They would, you would be tied together, tied up, wrapped up, 
And then they would place about 100 pounds of grave clothes on top of you. All of this was a part of the process to, to help you begin to deteriorate because in a, a year, most tombs had to be vacated and, and all the, the, the pressure and they would apply this pressure that was trying to cause the disorder in your life. Does anybody see where you could go with that spiritually? Come on now. They begin to apply pressure because the entity has already began and the pressure begins to come on. Anybody been in a place in your life, and this is not in my notes, but I feel it. Anybody been in a place in your life where the devil gets you down and then he tries to knock you out by causing all kind of pressure that begins to come and then he begins to tell you your life's not worth living. I want to remind you that not only is your life worth living, Jesus Christ has showed up to make your life better and he showed up to set you free by the power of the Holy Spirit. So based on this tradition, 100 pounds of grave clothes, wrapped up a foot around his head, arms tied to his side, feet tied together, I believe that not only one miracle happened on that day, I believe two miracles happened. The first miracle, very simple, stone rolled away, Jesus says Lazarus come out, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. What a glorious miracle. That's awesome. Lazarus completely raised from the dead. But the second miracle, I believe, is how in the world did Lazarus manage to get up and get out? Think about that for a moment. Lazarus is literally coming out of that tomb in a full body cast. Lazarus, he he couldn't have walked out of that tomb. He maybe hopped out of that tomb. Listen to the scripture. He came out and when he came out, notice this, he still looked dead. His life, he didn't come out going, whoo, with a glow all around him. That was Jesus. He didn't come walking through walls. That was Jesus. Lazarus, when he heard the voice of the Lord, was still bound. He was still tied up. See, some of you that are listening to me today, and I know when I feel the Holy Spirit of God, you don't know how you're going to get free. You don't know what you need to do. You're missing the point. You're focused on the how and the why. You're missing the who. I can tell you how you're going to get free. His name is Jesus. He is power. He is life. He is hope. And he is able. Amen. Why don't you give him a praise like he deserves? Now, when I imagine Lazarus coming out of that grave, I think of my daughter and her friends when, and, and, and the dances, they, they, these modern dances they do. But to make it worse, they teach them to little Charlie. And little Charlie comes sliding into the living room quite often. And he's, the other day it was, let me show you the whip and the nay-nay. I said, I said, what? He said, watch, Uncle Don. Let me tell you. Some of you wonder if I did it with him. I didn't try. Come on now. Amen. I just get that. I want you to get that mental picture in your mind. Because I believe that the miracle that was happening here is something Jesus specializes in. Jesus, I mean, you know, when Samson was bound with ropes, the minute the Holy Spirit hit him, the ropes fell off and he took a job on it and killed a thousand Philistines. That could have happened. But I believe that one of the reasons Jesus left him bound is because what Jesus wanted to do in the middle of the bad situation. You see, he's tied to up. His legs are tied together. He's got a, a foot of stuff around his head. He's got a hundred pounds of clothes on. I don't even know how he got up. But see, there was a problem. that All this was going against him, but he heard someone of power call his name. And when he heard somebody of power call his name. He couldn't walk. He couldn't run. I don't know exactly how he did it, but I believe that he began to move. 
Can you imagine? The whole town is watching. Jesus is opening the tomb. Je- you know, oh, that's awful. Let's go look. And you know what? All of a sudden, they all see the same thing. Come on now. I believe at weddings and parties and and little six-year-old boys sliding in going, look, I'm doing the Lazarus. Come on. I'm doing the Lazarus. I'm doing the Lazarus. Woo! I'm doing it. (laughs) Anybody know how to do the Lazarus? Glory to God. Woo! I believe. Y'all just won't see me do it again, don't you? I'm glad I lost some weight. Come on now. Amen. (laughs) Because here's the thing. You see, Lazarus, all he knew was he was in one place and he heard a voice call his name to another place. And he didn't know how he was going to get there. But what mattered was he was getting there. And he said, Jesus, here I come. Jesus, I'm on my way. I'm looking for somebody today who will say, you don't understand. I've got this. I've got that. I messed up this way. I've got this judgment. I've got this sentence on my life. I've got this curse and that problem. And you know what? It's not keeping me back because I'm going to get to where Jesus is. I'm going to find him. I'm going to know him. I'm going to walk in the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. I don't know where this just came from, but somebody needs this in this place. I just have a mental image. Somebody's been trying to get you to have an affair. It's going to show up at your office tomorrow, and all of a sudden you're going to say, excuse me a moment. (laughs) Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. I don't know how I'm getting away, but I'm gone. Amen. Woo! My God is good. Amen. Now listen, you missed this, you missed the whole point. Come on, somebody play for I'll I'll be dancing again. (laughs) This miracle just doesn't foreshadow the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Get this, it foreshadows yours. You're bound. He's able. You have no hope. He is your hope. You don't know how. Not how, no who. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's not just something Jesus did for Lazarus. It's something he wants to do for you right here and right now. You see, guys, when we live in sin, we're taking grave clothes on. Entity is unleashed in our lives. Jesus said, if I go away to my father, I... I'll not leave you alone. I'll send another to you. The greatest negentrophy of all, the work of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He says the enemy thinks his force is unstoppable, but one touch, one word. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All you need is to feel him, and you're like, I can keep on going. All you need is a word from God. Something bursts inside of you, and you say, whoa. And you begin to take off those grave clothes. You begin to... I'm trying to get to the conclusion. I haven't even started preaching until I get to the conclusion. But see, today, Jesus is calling us out of our tombs. 
He's calling us. He's saying it doesn't matter how you have to twist, turn, scoot, jump, hop. It doesn't matter how funny you look. Jesus is calling. And it's time to start living. Could you stand with me today? I want to ask you a simple question. Can you hear him calling your name? Don, come out. Well, and just insert your name there with me. I'll say it and you say your name. Don, come out. He's calling you out. Not only is he calling you out, he's calling you out. Today is the day. He's calling you out of your sin. He's calling you out of your death. He's calling you out of your tomb. Now let me give you the point that rocked my world with this. It, it changed everything about this story for me. It's still blowing my mind. We don't think a lot about Lazarus after this moment. We know they wanted to kill him also because he was the walking revelation of the power of Jesus Christ. He was alive, was dead, was alive. They didn't want him around because he was really the proof Jesus was who he claimed he was going to be. They didn't understand. They wanted him dead. So tradition tells us that he went a couple of possible different locations. But the, the one that I find most fascinating is that he took his sister's and because the Jews wanted to kill him, because he was the testimony of Jesus' resurrection power, so the logical thing was if Jesus can raise him from the dead, of course he can raise himself. And so he had to flee. Isn't that amazing? If Jesus can raise him, raise him self, he can also raise you. They didn't want that hope. I don't want you to get this. I want you to, I want you to grab this. So where does he go? Well, tradition tells us that he ends up in Marseille, France. He flees that far to flee the persecution. And while he's there, Nero begins his onslaught against the Christians. He ends up burning Rome and he's just trying to kill the Christians on every side. And Lazarus becomes a target. Once again, he's living proof. If God can uh, raise him, raise him, he can raise you someday. Wow. So Lazarus has to find a place to hide. Now this is what blew my mind. It blew my mind. Where do you think Lazarus would go hide? Lazarus hid in a tomb. And at first when I was studying, I thought, well, that's really interesting. He would go back to the tomb and, and I didn't get it. I didn't understand. Why would he go back to the tomb that Jesus brought him out of? And then I understood when you say it out loud, why would Jesus, why would he go back to something Jesus had already brought him out of? And then I began to understand something. It's not talking about going back to sin because sin didn't put him there. Sickness put him there. An outside situation put him there. There was a force beyond his ability called sickness that put him there. And all he knew was this. He realized that, that a force beyond his ability had put him in a tomb and Jesus brought him out. Now there was a force called a Roman emperor who was trying to put him back in a tomb. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get there because the same Jesus who brought me out of that tomb is able to bring me out of this tomb and he can bring me, he can bring me forth. What that tells me is the God who delivered me and saved me can get me out of the situation I've dug myself in now because the one who is able there is able here. He's still faithful. He's still in control. But it gets a little better because you see he lived once, went to a tomb, lived again, went to a tomb. Jesus brings him out still living. But Lazarus went to the tomb again. You see, 
he would die. Lazarus is not alive somewhere on this earth. Lazarus died. But you have to understand something. Lazarus no longer feared the tomb. Why? Because the one who brought him out of the first tomb brought him out of the second tomb and he's going to bring him out of the third day, a third tomb one day when Jesus calls for it. Now, you may not be facing a tomb. I, I faced a struggle this weekend. I, I'm having to fight a battle this weekend. And, and I understand this, that the God who delivered us there can deliver us here. But one day, we're going to face another tomb. But here is my hope. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? He that started it has kept me, and he'll finish it. Because there's none able but Jesus. Come on, lift him up. Hallelujah. Bow your heads all over this place. You see, some of you, you know Jesus set you free. And you're going, Pastor Don, who are you talking to? Let me just settle, settle that for you, everybody. If you know Jesus Christ, he called you out of the tomb of, uh, of sin. But some of us here, we, situations beyond our power are trying to force us back in the, into the tomb. Some of them may have been things we have even started, and now we don't know how to stop. I declare that God is able over you. Some of you right now, you're going to testify with me. Somebody's ready to do the Lazarus. You're going to testify with me. Pray and pray and pray right now. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, you see, you see exactly, exactly those that you're talking to. You know what they're facing. Right now, if you're here and you say, Pastor Don, I'm in a tomb that I need to be delivered from. I want to see your hand if that's you. you. You're in a tomb you need to be delivered from. Come on, get it up. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. My goodness, hands literally all over this place are going up. You need to be delivered from that tomb. A tomb of despair, it may be. It may be a tomb of bondage. It might be it's something that an outside force is trying to push your faith back and kill it. But my God is able. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Father God, I thank you. Put those down. I thank you for what I feel. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I don't feel like I've ever stopped the interview of my life. I've never fully committed my life to Jesus Christ. I've never fully believed upon Jesus. And today, I want to surrender my whole life to Jesus. Because anyone who can raise a dead man then and raise himself, I, I see hope he can raise me. And I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hold them up high. Come on, pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You can put those down. We normally just begin to pray at this time, but I feel I feel a need. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I feel a need. I feel a need for some of you to do the Lazarus. You don't have to move like that. You just have to move. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not coming after you, but these altars, I want you just to move toward these altars. If you've been one of those ones who've responded or if you need, if you should have responded, I, I just want you to move quickly, quickly, quickly. Come toward the altars. Join me, join me, join me, join me, join me, join me. Quickly, quickly, quickly. You should be coming from all over the building. Hands have gone up all over this building. Come toward this altar. It's time for your freedom. It's time for your victory. It's time for you to know Jesus. It's time for you to be set free. It's time for you to do the Lazarus. All I know is he's calling. 
All I know is he's calling. All I know is he's saying, this is your moment. This is your time. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you for, it might be your miracle. It may be your situation. Somebody, somebody that may be trying to force your marriage into a tomb. God's called to set you free by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is your moment. This is your time. Somebody looking like, Pastor Dodd, what are you going to do? I'm going to pray over it. It's all I'm going to do. But it's, it's more about their walk than my touch. Quickly, let me have altar leaders, pastors, deacons, elders, quickly get behind these. They don't need me. They need the Holy Spirit of God that's upon them now. They didn't walk toward a man. They walked toward the Word. They walked toward the Word. Holy Spirit of the Most High God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, come on, pray with them, pray with them. Don't let anybody be without somebody. Quickly, quickly. Some of you ladies, I need some help. Quickly, this is, you're wondering if it's you that's supposed to help? Yes. Father God, right now, for some of these in this altar, this, this dividing line, dividing line, the day they went into the tomb has maybe been years, but the day they kept, they're coming out is by faith in the Holy Spirit on this day. Of, Lord, this is a day of victory. This is a day of power. This is a day of deliverance that's coming into their lives. Father God, the tomb may seem to be still uh, sealed with a mighty big rock, but I declare that you're the one who created all things. You're the one who is able. You hold the earth in place at your very word. The universe is cast out by your command, Father. Everything has come from you. All things that were made and have been made are made through the power of Jesus Christ. Father God, I thank you that right now liberty is coming. Right now victory is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit. What some of you don't understand is some of the people who are laying hands on you right now used to be addicts. They used to be alcoholics. They, they, they Their families were taken away from them. And they're the deacons and elders of this church. And what Jesus called them out and, he, and, he, and he's lifted them up and he's doing the same thing to you right now. You're coming out. Can you hear him calling you out? Can you, you might want to just put your name there again. Well, I said, Don, come out. You might want to put your name there and hear the voice of the Spirit of God as he's putting your name there, calling you out, calling you forth by the power of God. These that are laying hands on you, I pray for the impartation of the power of the Spirit of God in your life, that you would be delivered, that you would be free. That you would be free by the power of God. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the command at the end of that passage. Loose them and let them go. There is none more able to loose them and let them go than Jesus. I speak the name of, come on, church, raise your hands this way. We speak the name of Jesus over them. We speak delivering power over them. We speak healing over them. We speak victory over them. I speak it over all that are listening to me right now. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your answer. Jesus is the one that you should trust in. You may be watching right now, and I, I want you to understand right there where you are, do you hear him calling your name, calling you out, calling you out by the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, my God, my God, my God, Holy Ghost of the living God, the reason our praise was so strong when we saw how he came out is because we all realize how bound we are, but in Christ we can be delivered. Many, 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 many responded for salvation today. Everyone bow your heads. I want us all to pray together this prayer of faith, prayer of deliverance by the power of Jesus. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved.
So today we pray this prayer of faith, a positive confession of an inward work that God is going to do. Let's pray together now. Jesus, by faith, I believe your word. I believe that you came for me. You died for me. You arose for me. And by faith now, I accept your gift of life. Father, forgive me of my sins. You see my past. You see my present. You see my future. I give it all to you. And in Jesus' name, from this moment on, God is my Father. Heaven is my home. This matter is settled. Amen and amen. Now come on, rejoice in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. People just gave their lives to Jesus. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.